This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. Reb Simcha and his wife were at the threshold of starvation. They had nothing left in the house, not a single penny, and no hope. And since he was so desperate and didn't know what to do, he went to the Poritz, who owned the land near where Reb Simcha and his family lived, and he said, there's an abandoned home at the edge of the forest on your estate. And the Poritz, who knew about this home, because nobody had rented it for over 10 years, he figured anything that this Jew would offer him would be pure profit, so he was listening. And Reb Simcha said, I want to try my luck at innkeeping. And since I don't have any money right now, it would be in your interest and mine if you gave me a little loan of some whiskey and some food. And as soon as I make a profit, I'll repay the loan. The Poritz eagerly agreed, knowing that otherwise the property is just sitting there empty. And before Reb Simcha knew it, he was now the owner of an inn. The only problem is, the location was so bad, no one ever came by. And even though they had a little bit of whiskey and some food, they weren't making any money. And one day, the Helegabal Shem Tov comes and pays a visit to Reb Simcha. Of course, for Reb Simcha's family, this was a very special occasion. When does a Rebbe like the Baal Shem Tov come to visit anyone? And so, even though he didn't have very much food or anything, he scraped together what he could and made a tiny little meal for the Baal Shem Tov. Before he sat down to eat the meal, the Baal Shem Tov said to Reb Simcha, Simcha, listen, can you do me a favor? On the way over here, in the forest, I lost my snuff box. Would you mind taking my horse and looking around for it? It's very important to me. And of course, Reb Simcha, he wasn't going to refuse the Baal Shem Tov. So right away, he headed out, looking for the snuff box. And he enters the forest and follows the road, looking left and right, under bushes, behind trees. He knew he couldn't come back without the snuffbox. And suddenly, in the middle of his search, he hears somebody crying for help. Help! Help! He takes the Baal Shem Tov's horse and runs over to who's crying, and he sees there's a carriage that's half sunk in the mud of a riverbed, and the person in the carriage is trapped inside. Rip Simcha quickly tied the horse to the coach, and pulled with all the strength that the horse and Reb Simcha had the coach out of the mud <coughs> and was able to get the person inside out. Reb Simcha saw that he was freezing. He'd been sitting there for such a long time. And he said to him, listen, you're in very bad condition. If you don't get some help right now, you might catch pneumonia and die. You're going to have to come back with me to my house. Get some dry clothes, eat something warm, until you feel better. And the person in the carriage, he was in such bad shape, he didn't even get a chance to answer Simcha, who quickly put him on the back of the horse and took him back to his inn. And when they got there, the Baal Shem Tov seemed to have forgotten about the snuffbox that he lost in the forest. And he said, here, put the man by the fire and give him a meal. Give him a meal that you made for me. Obviously, he needs it much more than me. And so all the members of the family, they scurried about to make the man comfortable. 
And after he ate, Reb Simcha took him to a clean bed where he cleaned himself up and slept for the night. The next morning, it turned out that the person that Reb Simcha had saved was none other than the prince of the country that they lived in. And he thanked Simcha again and again. And he said to him, listen, I want to give you some money for saving my life. It's the least I can do. And he gives Simcha 2,000 rubles. And the Reb Simcha looked at this money. He'd never seen so much money in his entire life. And he looked over at the Baal Shem Tov, who was shaking his head. Mm-mm, mm-mm, And Reb Simcha looks at the money, back at the Baal Shem Tov. And then he turns to the prince and he says, Your Highness, no thank you. I simply did my duty, as any human being would do for another. And the prince, he looked around at the tavern. And he saw that there was a leak in the roof. And that the door was broken. And that the windows were broken, covered with paper and rags. He looked at the children who were in torn clothes. It looked like they haven't eaten in a long time. And so he opened up his purse. He said, you're right, you're right. 2,000 rubles really isn't enough money. Here, take 10,000. I see that you need it. And I could never repay you for saving my life and taking such good care of me. But here, please take this as an expression of my thanks. 10,000 rubles. Reb Simcha never dreamed in his entire life that he would ever have so much money. And he eagerly looked over at the Baal Shem Tov, who was sitting at the table. But the Baal Shem Tov simply shook his head and warned him that he may not take the money under any circumstances. And so, Reb Simcha had to decline the gift from the prince. But the prince tried again and again. He took everything he had. He gave all the jewelry he had, everything he had in his pockets and his purse, gold coins, diamonds, money, Everything was sitting on the table, all for Reb Simcha. But all along, the Baal Shem Tov was shaking his head and saying, Mm-mm, nope, I can't take it. And so, Reb Simcha told the prince, I'm so sorry, I can't take your money. And the prince said, well, since you refuse to accept any money or a gift, let me at least write down your name for my records, so that I can always remember the kindness you did for me. And soon after the prince left, the Baal Shem Tov also left. Reb Simcha and his family wanted to give a little bit of tzedakah to the Baal Shem Tov, so they literally took the last few tiny little coins they had and gave it to the Rebbe. And the Baal Shem Tov left without saying a word. And Reb Simcha's wife turns to her husband and says, did you really have to give the Baal Shem Tov our last pennies? And did you really have to refuse all that money, jewelry, gold, and everything the prince wanted to give us? You had to refuse it all. It's not like you didn't do anything. You saved him in the forest, and we gave him a meal and a place to sleep, and he wouldn't have found any place for miles around. And you did save his life, and now we're starving without a single coin in this house. What are we supposed to do? And at just that moment, they heard footsteps coming towards the inn. And a big farmer bursts into the room and demands a shot of whiskey. The wife turns to Reb Simcha and says, Simcha, there's nothing left in the barrel. Never mind, says Simcha. Put a little water in the barrel and shake it up. Maybe it'll still have the taste of whiskey and that'll be good enough for him. And so the wife places a little glass before the peasant, who downs it in one gulp. Ah, give me another one. So the wife goes to the barrel, puts a little bit more water in there, mixes it up, puts another glass on the table. He drinks it down. He says, that's the best whiskey I've ever had in my life. I have to tell my friends about this place. And he left a few coins on the table and left the inn. 
And that was the turning point for Reb Simcha and his wife. The fame of his liquor spread all around the land, and all of the local Gentiles began coming to his tavern regularly. But the greatest miracle was that Reb Simcha's whiskey barrel was blessed because it was never empty, and it always made the same strong whiskey no matter how many times they dipped into it. And things were really looking up for the family. Soon they could afford nice furniture and provide a place for people to spend the night. And the children now were dressed properly and fed properly. And Reb Simcha was even able to buy the property from its owner and feel himself like he was a man in his own castle. But things didn't run smoothly for so long. One day, there were two goyim that checked in. They spent the night at the inn. And in the middle of the night, there was a violent fight with lots of shouts. And one of them rushes outside and said, My friend has been murdered. The landlord, the Jew, stole all his money and killed him, thinking he could get away with it and blame it on me. But I know the truth. Get the police quickly. Help before he kills me as well. Now the whole time Reb Simcha had been sleeping, of course he had nothing to do with this. But the police didn't care. They showed up right away and took Reb Simcha. Didn't ask him very many questions. They accused him of murder, stealing money, and put him into jail until he waited for his trial. And Reb Simcha is sitting in his prison cell, and he's saying, you know, this is how it is for us Jews. We have no power. We have no rights. We get accused all the time. And I know that if it's my word against this guy, I've got no chance. Nobody's ever going to trust me. But I'm innocent, and Hashem is on my side. And for sure, Hashem will save me from death. And so then, he stood up, and started saying to Hillem, and he was full of hope, and he knew that everything was going to work out. And suddenly he hears the sound of a rusty key turning the lock of his cell door. And a policeman walks in and says, Get up, Jew. You're leaving. And Simcha says, What happened? He said, The king has granted you full amnesty. You're free to go. But Simcha didn't understand. He said, What happened? It turns out that the law of the country required that all death sentences be reviewed by the king. And when Reb Simcha's case was brought before the king, who happened to be the same prince that he had saved many years before, the prince remembered Reb Simcha's name. And he said, this is the same person who refused everything that I offered him, money, jewelry, gold. He wouldn't take anything from me, even though he lived in abject poverty. He absolutely refused to accept it. And you're telling me that he murdered someone in order to steal their money? I don't believe it. And the king wanted the witness to be cross-examined closely. And he said, maybe after you cross-examine him, he'll have a little different story to tell the police when they use a little bit of pressure on him. And so it didn't take the police very long to find out the truth, that the so-called witness was the murderer himself. And he tried to pin the crime on Reb Simcha. And the murderer was executed instead of Reb Simcha, who was rewarded by the king a title to an entire estate, as well as all the money, jewelry, and gold that the king had tried to give him years before. And that was when Reb Simcha and his family understood the Ahavat Yisrael, the love of the Jewish people, that the Baal Shem Tov had the vision to come to Reb Simcha and guide him so that instead of getting what he thought he needed at that moment, he would get what he actually deserved. All 
in due time. Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. As always, I have two new supporters that I'm so grateful to thank. The first is the Berry family of Las Vegas and their children. Thank you so much for listening and for your support. And the second is the Gutblatt family of Pembroke Pines, Florida and their children. And to the Chesed family in Jerusalem. Kids, go give your father a big hug for me. And Shalom Aleichem to my kids, Eliana and Levi Yitzchak. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for becoming supporters. And thank you for your kind messages. And everyone who sent me messages of Mazel Tov and left me supporting comments. I really appreciate it. You know, to you, my listeners, you might not realize it, but I sit here by myself in my office in Jerusalem. Today happens to be a winter storm. The building is kind of abandoned. And I record these stories which of course I'd love to do, and I'm always happy to do them instead of the actual work that I get paid for. And I think, who's listening to these stories? Who's out there? And when you write to me and you send a support contribution, I know who's out there, and it warms my heart, and it means so much to me. So wherever you're listening, please make sure to leave a comment, a like, share this with your friends. These stories, you know, they're stories that heal the heart and warm the soul, and I wish the whole world could hear them, and you, my friends, can help that happen. Thank you again for listening, and I look forward to our next story together.